0: Well, let me uh, say Happy New Year to you. Thank you for tuning in and watching this. Now, if you're a teacher listening to the audio, 2021 hasn't happened yet. And uh, if you are watching this on Sunday night to catch up with Sunday school or something, it's already 2021. So we're kind of bridging the gap here. Kind of weird, but it's, uh always happens. Time goes by. The calendar changes and a new year marker comes along. And I do pray that 2021 is a a better year for you and that it is a prosperous year and a healthy year. And I pray that uh, above all else, I'm thinking about what John wrote, that you may prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. And that's really what we're looking for is soul prosperity and we've got to feed our souls and we've got to put a priority on all of that you know we have a a lot of um, human drives appetite and things like that that uh, you know we we make sure that we're taking care of and that we feed ourselves and um, rest ourselves and all of that kind of stuff And um, it seems as though if we're not careful, we don't have the same kind of drive spiritually and we don't take care of our soul. And so this year, 2021, uh, I don't know what it's going to bring. I certainly didn't see 2020 coming when we were at this point last year and all of the things that were going to happen, but God did. And during that time in 2020, there were some things ...that you could do and some things you couldn't do. And yet one thing that was a priority, even when you couldn't find... uh, ...remember the toilet paper shortage? And uh, there were certain foods and things like that that we couldn't uh, get a hold of. For the first time in my life, I remember walking in to a grocery store... ...and seeing whole aisles where the shelves were just empty. I was looking for some kind of pasta, for crying out loud... And uh, out of the entire aisle, there were six boxes of something weird. And uh, I've never seen that in my life. There there are all kinds of things, the masks that everybody's wearing and the fear that people have, uh, this pandemic and all of that. Never seen any of that in my life. And so uh, some things changed. Some things may never quite bounce back. We don't know. We don't know. But one thing we know is that God knew. And God had been preparing us for 2020, maybe 20, 30 years before we got there. There may have been some things you learned back in the the 1970s or in the 80s or the 90s or something that prepared you for the year 2020. And so we have a God who feeds us and gets us ready for whatever it is we're going to go through And we need to trust him and walk with him. And we need to make sure that we are taking care of our soul and that it is prospering above everything else. And so uh, that's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me, that we together might grow spiritually and be fortified and to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, because we don't know what tomorrow will bring, do we? And uh, our generation now ought to understand that better than maybe previous generations did. We've seen it. And we've seen how things can change. It ought to cause us to uh, take advantage of these times in order to share the gospel with people. People are lost and they're dying and they're on their way to hell. And we've got the only answer and that is through Jesus Christ. And so uh, we're going to do something a little bit different. You ever read through a catechism? A catechism is kind of an old term. There were some Baptist catechisms that Spurgeon advocated. Uh, A lot of catechisms were more Presbyterian and those kind of things. The Puritans would use them. And they basically were a way of keeping the um, truths of the gospel... And of sound doctrine uh, alive. Talking about these things. Uh, here, here's what I mean by that. They were a series of questions and answers. A lot of you are familiar with the Westminster Catechism. That's a Presbyterian one. And uh, the question is, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is, the chief end of man is to glorify God. And to enjoy him forever. Question Answer, question, and answer. And they would use these to uh, kind of school their children in the faith and uh, to make sure that their kids knew and understood these kind of things. Now, unfortunately, it got relegated to just children. Catechisms are for children. Kind of like we've done with Awana and things like that. I think it's a tragedy that we think it's good for children to memorize Bible verses, but not so much for adults when that's something we really ought to be doing. And uh, we don't want our children to get the idea that, well, once I get to be a teenager, I don't have to memorize Scripture anymore. See, that's dangerous. Well, the same thing is true with some of the topics that we're going to talk about. We may look at some things and go, oh, everybody knows that. Well, you may know that. And probably as a Sunday school teacher at Graceway, you probably know a lot about it. But don't assume that everybody in your class does. And don't assume that all of the families in our church do. We've got to teach them. And uh, that's why we're going to go through what is called the New City Catechism. And uh, we're going to take, every week, a question and an answer. And they include some scripture with it. And then I'm expounding upon the scripture and writing the lessons. There's very little that I'm taking from the catechism except the uh, topic itself. And kind of forming it for our times and forming it for our situation. And uh, boy, does this one that we're going to cover today, does it ever fit ...with the times in which we live. People are terrified. And people are dying. And people are afraid. And people are grief stricken. And people are having to live... ...without loved ones. Some of them... ...taken by COVID-19. And some of them by... ...heart attacks and... ...automobile accidents and cancer. Those kind of things... ...are still happening... And uh, so we're going to ask the question today, what is our only hope in life and in death? And this is something we need to be ready for. Well, everybody knows that. Okay, first of all, no, not everybody knows that. And you might be surprised how many people sit in your classes every week and they really don't understand the gospel. They really don't understand what um, salvation is all about. Steve Elkins and I went to uh, visit somebody one time. They had visited our church. And we were sitting in their living room and having a good visit with them and uh, asked them the question, when did you come to know the Lord as your Savior? And oh my goodness, these people that were good Baptists stammered and stuttered and had so much trouble articulating how they came to know the Lord that it was kind of embarrassing. And about the best we could get out of them was that they walked down front. That, that was about all they could do. Oh, I was 12 years old when I went down front. And that's what they really hinged everything on. And he gave us a chance to talk to them about what salvation is. It's not walking an aisle on Sunday morning. It's not filling out a card. It's not praying a prayer. It's not being dunked in water or anything like that. And we got to talk to him about Jesus, the Savior, the God-man who came to earth and lived a perfect life and then died on the cross and how his own father punished him in our place for our sins. And he paid the sin debt of everyone who would believe in him, and then rose from the dead three days later. I mean, we got to share that kind of stuff. Oh, everybody knows that. I'm not convinced they did. I'm not convinced that they really understood it. And here's the problem. Okay, really, really get this. If we have certain things we don't talk about because everybody knows it, quote unquote, then nobody talks about it. And if nobody talks about it, There's going to be a generational gap where people are going to grow up with an assumption that they know, but they really don't know. And so I think it's going to be good for us to go through this. And uh, some things uh, people are going to learn, something that they've never heard or understood before. And then uh, there's going to be a lot of stirring up remembrances and uh, kind of sharpening Uh, the knife so to speak so that we are better equipped as believers and as um, members of of Graceway we need to be able to share this and to be able to share it with our children now I first heard of this particular catechism from um, Isaac he was going through that with our granddaughters Molly and Emma and uh, it is really uh, wonderful and um, It kind of, you know, gets to you a little bit when you hear a two-year-old give the answer to what is our only hope in life and death. Now, her answer, Emma's answer, is a little shorter than what we're going to do. This is geared more toward adults, but there are children's answers to this. And here it is. What is our only hope in life and death? Here it is. In life and death to God and to our... uh, I backed up a little bit. Um, let, me, let me go to the beginning of the paragraph. That we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. What is our only hope? Our only, emphasize that, our only hope in life and death. That we are not our own, but we belong Body and soul, both in life and in death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's our scripture we're going to look at today. It's Romans chapter 14, verse 7 and 8. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Do you have that hope? Do you have that confidence? Because it's the only one that you really have, and it's all that really matters. Do you know the Lord? Do you belong to the Lord? Are you a child of God? And if you are putting your hope in your works, your performance, if you're putting your faith and trust and hope in what you do, or for some people, what you don't do. I know I'm going to heaven because I don't cuss. I'm going to heaven because I don't get drunk. I'm going to heaven because I don't beat my wife or anything like that. That is called sin because it falls short of the glory of God. And what we're talking about is salvation that is to the glory of God. It's From Him, it's about Him, and it's found in Him. And it's recognizing that our life, every part of it, from the first until the end, or as um, the song in Christ alone says, from life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. This is the way it is. It's all a gift from Him. And we are stewards of that time And of the opportunities and everything that he has um, given us. So I I want you to think about what Romans 14 is really saying. That passage we just said. That whether we live or whether we die, this is about the Lord. Because first of all, think about this. You had no choice about your birth. None. (laughs) None. You had no choice about your birth. You didn't choose the timing of your birth. You didn't choose your birthday. You had no choice about your heritage. You know, when we uh, look in Matthew chapter 1 and we see the genealogy of Jesus, you know, so many people just hate those things and they skip over them. They're actually quite interesting and they're very affirming that Jesus Christ fulfilled all of the prophecies of the Old Testament even in His heritage. Well you and I have a genealogy as well. You know whenever we read about. Things that were going on. Oh like the black plague. uh, The revolutionary war. Whenever we read about things. That were going on. Thousands of years ago. And sometimes we think I wonder what it was like. To be there. Well did you know genetically you were there. Because you would not be here today. If you did not have ancestors back then. And your ancestors, your heritage goes all the way back to Noah. And before then all the way back to Adam and Eve. And we think about. We had people. I'm uh, reading a book now about the Revolutionary War. We had people living then. Going through all of that. And their genes make us who we are today. But you didn't choose that. Some of you may have royal heritage. Um, I've seen television shows where they trace a celebrity's heritage back, and one of them went back to Charlemagne, things like that. Um, I don't think you can trace mine back that far. Uh, No records of it. And um, sometimes people have very impressive uh, heritage, and uh, sometimes it's very, you know, kind of underwhelming. You know, just just common. Well, you didn't choose that. You didn't choose entitlement or any of those kind of things. It it just happened, and that's why um, you know some people had trouble with kings. The only thing that made a king a king was the fact of who his uh, daddy was, and it's not really his ability. It's not really any of his talents or intellect or anything. It just simply is who his daddy was. And um, I'm glad we don't live in a country like that. But, uh, you know, you didn't choose your heritage. You may have been uh, very common, very poor, may have been very rich. Um, You didn't choose the place that you're going to be born. You know, some people are born in impressive places and impressive situations. Um, I was born in arkadelphia arkansas you ought to see people around the different parts of the country whenever you say they ask for a birthplace and you say that and they look at you like what in the world is that well i didn't choose that i mean if it had been left up to me i might have chosen something else i didn't choose the place and you don't choose your physical characteristics either i mean some of you are tall some of you are short some of you are a little larger than other people and some of you uh, battle things like cancer and arthritis and heart disease and things like that some of you are the picture of health and um, some of that is because of the way you live and a lifestyle choice you've made but let's also be honest some of you are battling some things that no matter what you do you battle those things and some of you No matter what you do, you don't battle those things. It's genetics. And they have a lot to do with who we are. Some of you have great athletic ability. Some of you do not. Some of you are very talented and artistic. Some of you are not. Some of you have great intellectual capacity and some of you don't. There are all kinds of things, good or bad, that we didn't really choose. We were just assigned all of these kind of things. Do you realize that with all of the choices that we have, when it comes to the major things of life, there are a lot of things we didn't choose. They were given to us. And given to us, of course, by the Lord. Secondly, notice that you have no choice about adding to the length of your life. Did you know that according to Psalm 139, verse 16... The length of life is planned by God. It says in verse 16, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they are all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. So God's already got it planned. Uh, Whenever the time of your death comes... There will be no scrambling in heaven saying, oh, oh, I don't think the mansion's ready yet. That The date's already set. They're ready for you. And that day may be today. That day may not be for decades. But it is going to happen. We're all going to die. In Job chapter 33, verse 4, it says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of life... And the breath of, pardon me, the Almighty gives me life. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. You only get to be God when you can create life from nothing. Now, if you do that, you get to be God. And we'll worship you. We'll bow down before you. And you can be sovereign and control all kinds of things. But until you can do that, You better bow before the one, the only one who can do that. You only get to be God if you can sustain life. You know, sometimes we think that we're sustaining our life because we eat, because we drink, because we rest, because we shelter ourselves, because we take certain medicines or we take certain supplements or we eat healthy food. And we even talk about, you know, we add to our life When we do that, truth of the matter is God can take you anytime he wants to. And it's not always because of cancer or heart attacks, automobile accidents, different things like that. A lot of weird things happen sometimes to people. And God is the one who is in control of that. And you and I are not going to live one second longer or die one second sooner than what God Has ordained. And until you can absolutely control that. By creating life. Sustaining life. Or uh, adding to life. Then. You better. Worship and honor the one who can. Because we're not our own. We're bought with a price. The Bible says. And our hope is. That we belong to the Lord. He's the one who takes care of us. Number three. Life and death are according to the plan of God, not ours. You know, it's so easy for us to make plans for our life and what we're going to do. But some lives are not very long. And even some effective lives are not very long. Have you ever heard of Jim Elliot? Jim Elliot is the missionary who, uh, taking the gospel to the Akka Indians. And what happened? They killed him. He was killed at the end of a spear. A lot of things have been written about him. Movies have been made about him. Um, One of his most famous quotes is, uh, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Brilliant, brilliant. And he impacted, I mean, there's all kinds of uh, of buildings and schools and uh, movements named after him. And yet he was 29 when he died had great impact. There was a missionary in colonial America named David Brainerd. And his diary is very famous for generations. And he was a missionary to the uh, Native Americans in that day. And uh, yet died at, I believe it was the age of 28. Now some people live to be well over 100. And some people die very, very early. I have a little brother that lived 12 hours. Um, I don't understand all of that. I can't explain all of that. But I know according to the scripture, that's under the hand and the control of God. And we're like a tapestry that's being woven together different colors and different threads and different lengths of thread and different textures and all of that. And one of these days we're going to see how it all fit together and it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful thing to see how the kingdom of God worked with all of the people That uh, God had created and God had redeemed and God used. And uh, whether your life is short or long is not really the issue. It's what you do with it and do you understand that you are the Lord's. And so you don't have to fear death, even from COVID 19. And you are indestructible until God is ready for you to die. This virus is not sovereign, folks. This virus is not in control of anything. God is in control. And God is the one that determines all of that. You're either going to get it or you're not. And you're either going to live or you're going to die. But isn't that true about everything? We don't have any hope of our promise, I guess, um, of tomorrow, do we? We do have hope of eternal life. But we don't know what our life is going to be. And you have enough time... To do what God requires of you. Let me say that again. You have enough time to do what God requires of you. And that's why we've got to follow him. We've got to surrender to him. And we've got to be diligent. And we've got to be good stewards of whatever time he has given us. And number four. Think about this. You are accountable to the Lord. Now, God has a reason For the times in which you live. I didn't choose. To live. In 2020. But. If God didn't want me to. He certainly could have taken me home. Before 2020. I'm glad my mom and dad didn't have to live through it. Uh, Think about. People like. uh, Well Luke Garrett for example. By human standards. He should have been alive for all of this. But he wasn't. God took him home, spared all of this kind of stuff. And when you think about that, why does God have you here during these times? I don't like masks any more than you do. I, I hate the stuff that we're going through and um, the changes that it potentially could make to our culture to our government, to our lifestyle, those kind of things. Don't particularly like that either. But here's what I have to do. Instead of moping and complaining and griping about it, I have to look and say, my hope is not on a vaccine for COVID-19. My hope is not in whether the government can control this and get rid of it, or science or anything like that. What is my hope in life and death? I belong to the Lord. And so... God controls all of that. He has me here. He has you here. And we are here for a reason. The famous phrase in the book of Esther, for such a time as this. He's got a reason for putting us here in the midst of all of this. And God has a reason for your talents, your abilities, and also for your limitations. Why didn't God give you a sky-high IQ? There's a reason for it. Why didn't God give you unlimited musical talent? There's a reason for all of that. Um, Why didn't he give you unlimited athletic abilities? There's a reason for all of that. God has put you where he wants you to be. And the psalmist said he hymns you in. And there are some choices I've never had to make. I never had to worry about choosing between preaching or playing in the NFL, did I? And that's kind of funny, but... That's the plan of God. God put that limitation on there because it made my life a little bit easier than it would have been if everything had been just wide open um, for me. And he does the same thing for you. There are some things you're never going to have an option. You're never going to have a choice because God has you hemmed in in the right place at the right time to do what he wants you to do with your life. And God has given you everything you need to be faithful. You know, uh, someone said one time, God hasn't called us to be successful. He's called us to be faithful. Well, can I just back up a little bit and just say, as well-meaning as that brother was, that's an inaccurate statement. Our problem is we don't really know what success is. And we think success is having millions of dollars in the bank or fame or any of those kind of things. The truth of the matter is the definition of success biblically is faithfulness. And God has given you the capability through his word, through his spirit living within you, through everything that he has given you in terms of of time and ability and opportunities. He's given you the ability to be successful because success in the Christian life is being faithful to God. So are you successful as a parent? Are you successful as a husband or as a wife? Are you successful as a church member? Are you successful in the kingdom of God? And that is defined, of course, by faithfulness. And you've got everything you need. You may not have what other people have, but that's their life. That's their opportunity. God has given you the ability to be what he wants you to be and to accomplish what he has ordained for you. So um, when we think about the accountability that God uh, is going to hold us to, how does God hold us accountable in our lives since we belong to him? Well, sometimes it's consequences. Galatians 6, 7 says that God's not mocked. Whatever one sows that also will he reap. Sometimes God holds you accountable by letting you reap what you didn't intend to reap because you sowed the wrong seeds. Sometimes it's through discipline. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, he says he disciplines the one that he loves and chastises everyone that he receives. Sometimes God as a father intervenes in your life and boy, you get spiritually grounded or sent to your room Paul would talk about being put on a shelf. Sometimes he busts you on your backside. And then um, for the lost, of course, it's judgment, meaning condemnation. In uh, Revelation chapter 20, 11 through 15, it talks about the great white throne judgment and people there being put into the lake of fire. And other times... It's judgment for saved people. And instead of condemnation, let's think of that as appraisal. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, that you and I, when we die, we are going to at one point have our life judged or appraised as to whether we really did what we were supposed to do And live for the glory of God. Or whether we live for ourselves. And our lives will be like gold, silver, precious stones. And they'll be put through the fire. And they'll come out. Or our life will be like wood, hay and stubble. And it'll be put through the fire. And all we will have is uh, simply um, ash. And our lives will be wasted. And uh, well good for nothing. We'll be saved as though by fire, and that's a horrible thing to think about after all that God has given to us. So, when we think about this, think about Psalm 130, verse 3. If you, O Lord, should mark our iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? And that really is the issue that we have to face because none of us are perfect, and none of us are going to get it all right, but God is such a kind, generous, gracious God that he forgives. And he's a God who gives us multiple opportunities to do the things he wants us to do. So where is our hope? It's not in what we are or how many people know us or whether we can show our success. Our hope is that we belong to the Lord. Think about it. And think about that definition and ask yourself this question. Where am I finding my hope in these troubled and dark times? My hope is built on nothing less, the old hymn says, than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And maybe God used 2020 and he may be using 2021 to show us that. And he may be using us to show that to other people so that we can be vessels of hope to a lost and dying world. And that we can also give hope to fellow believers who may be foundering. So in this new year, let's learn and let's grow For the glory of God. And let's think about these things. That we say we already know. By asking the question. Do we really know it? And are we living by it? I look forward to it. And may the Lord bless you. And happy new year to you. Once again. You are loved. And may the Lord bless you richly.